0: The Nationals are your World Series champions. Fans throughout D.C. and Maryland celebrated a 6-2 win over the Houston Astros in Game 7 to bring home the World Series win for the team. For Dennis Hetrick, this World Series is even more special. He was one of the official scorers during the World Series. Hetrick now joins me and Greg Swatzek in the studio to discuss his experience at the World Series. All right, so Dennis, please explain exactly what an official scorekeeper is.
1: Well, uh, an official scorer in baseball is someone who sits in the press box and just documents every play that happens in the game. Um, and then occasionally, uh, that person also has to make decisions according to the rule book um, about whether a certain play is uh, to be scored a hit or an error, uh, or if there's an, you have to make decisions on other little things like earned runs unearned runs because of hits, errors, or pass balls. And then um, uh, there's a few other little things too. Um, you have to determine the, um, the, uh, the value of a base hit. Like uh, if a guy hits a ball in the outfield and he ends up getting to second base, is it because if it was truly a double or was it a single and an error? Or if the outfielder was throwing to another base to get another runner, did they just advance on the throw? Or is that supposed to be scored an extra base hit? Those those type of things. There's guidelines to go by uh, for that, but um, those are the main decisions that you have to look at. So you're kind of looking at everything on the field, and you just document everything that happens. And depending on the league or where you're scoring, you may have to fill out a box score at the end of the game just to... For all the stats for the players, uh, it's usually a little bit different. No matter you know where you're at.
2: Yeah, Dennis Dennis has the final say. Like uh, his his decisions are final. If he calls it a double, it's a double. If he calls it a single, it's a single. And sometimes those decisions are like at Keys games. Dennis has been a longtime scorer for the Frederick Keys. A manager will will question one of his decisions, and something might get changed. But but as the game is happening, Dennis has the final say.
1: How how long have you been doing this? I started uh, here in Frederick with the Keys in 2003. Okay. Um, a friend of mine um, who was a former coach, uh, he was a, an official scorer in Frederick, and he um, got me started, and um, he needed some help. And I said, hey, well, you could teach me how to do it. You know, I, I understood baseball, but not all the little intricacies of uh, being an official scorer. So he taught me.
0: All right, perfect. And so are you the only scorer at any given game?
1: Yes, there's usually just one score for that particular game. So um, uh, even in the major leagues uh, now, that's, uh, it's just one particular person that's um, uh, assigned to that to that game.
2: Most calls are pretty straightforward, Dennis, but occasionally you get a call where, where, where it's very difficult and you really have to take a moment to think about it. How often does that happen in a given game, would you say?
1: Um I've heard some people say 80-20. It might be maybe 90%, 10%, depending on the game. Um, yeah, a lot of the times you're just um, data logging. You're, <laughs> you're seeing what to play, uh, what happened on the field, and then diagnosing it correctly. If it was a, a double play from the shortstop to the second baseman to the first baseman, using the numbers that you use in scoring, it's a ground ball 6-4-3 double play. Uh, or it's a... Um, uh, or if it's a, you know, a strikeout, they're the easiest kind. You just write a K in your book, or uh, some people use a backwards K for looking. I use KL because that's just how I learned. Um, so a lot of the game is just doing that, but then there'll be, even if there's no errors in the game, there's usually a, a few decisions that you may have to make. Um, the ball gets by the catcher. Uh, you have to decide if it's a, um, you know, on a pitch, you have to decide whether it's a pass ball or a wild pitch, uh, according to some rules and some guidelines that you go by, um, and uh, but you still, even if there's no errors or even no decisions in the game, you still announce to the press box certain things. Um, and it goes to everyone in the press box, the um, the PR people, the writers, um, anybody who's um, uh, you know working with the game on the computer, people doing social media. They'll put things like the pitcher's line. You know, a pitcher goes out of the game after a certain amount of innings. Um, you just announce how many innings you had, hits, runs, errors, et cetera. And so there's there's always things that you're announcing from time to time during the game. You know, the start of the game, what time it was, what the temperature is, things like that. And uh, and then at the end, it's winning, losing pitcher, uh, time of the game, that those type of things.
0: So you started with the Frederick Keys. How did you make it to the Major League? Uh, Well,
1: I was very fortunate. Um, uh, I'd worked uh, in Frederick uh, for the Carolina League for a long time, since 2003, and I continued. Uh, I even still do uh, an occasional game. I did three or four this year in Frederick. But after about, um, I guess it was around 10 or 11 years uh, in the minor leagues, I got the nerve up to contact major league baseball just to see if they needed a fill in or, a, um, or maybe a backup person or if there were any positions available. And, uh, and there was a a wonderful lady there named Phyllis marriage. She was in charge of the scores at the time. And, uh, she said, well, whoa, before we get, uh, started, uh, send me your resume, you know, so I can see your experiences. And, I didn't have a resume for being an official scorer. You know, it's not something that you know, you normally think about um, because it's, you know, a part-time job. So my wife helped me uh, come up with a resume to show my experience and some of the things I've done. And and uh, so then um, after that, when I followed up, they, uh, they said, well, we're going to give you two or three games this next year, and we'll see how it goes. So that was 2014, and I got four games that year. And uh, apparently I didn't screw anything up too much, so, or too badly, so they, <laughs> they kept me on. And I've been doing a few more games um, uh, each uh, consecutive year after that. And then in 2018, a position opened up in Washington, and they decided to move me over there, and I could work more consistently. So I've been there for this in my second year.
2: Have you ever gotten into a heated argument Dennis with someone either a minor league manager or someone that's questioning one of your one of your calls?
1: Yes. Um it doesn't happen too often but over the years uh, in the minor leagues um I always tried to go down to the um uh to the clubhouse and uh give the box scores to the manager and then the coaches and if they don't like a call that you made of course they'll they'll mention it or Um, and they all have different personalities. Some, uh, can get a little bit heated or they can be pretty uncomfortable situations, but I just tried to explain, you know, what I'm thinking. Um, it is kind of hard because it's their, it's their life. You know, they're, they're there all the time. And even though I've grown up a huge baseball fan since I was about five years old, you still don't have quite understand, uh, the same way they look at it because it's their everyday job
2: yeah how do you know when to dig in and how do you like this this is my call i'm fighting for this call right how do you know sort of like when to let it go and say okay i'll i'll cede the point on this
1: yeah just experience um the longer you do it the more you get an idea of um okay maybe i did make a mistake on this so that's one of my mottos is that i'm always uh i'm confident in my ability but not cocky or arrogant about anything. i always try to be humble enough to know that you can make a mistake. Um, and I think over time, when you build a relationship with uh, coaches and, and the managers, they start to understand that and they get to know you. So, and that doesn't mean you still can't make a mistake, but um, they understand where you're coming from and they realize that you're, eventually they realize you're not biased and, Sometimes uh, they'll feel that way, you know, um, they might feel like they get um, maybe the, the short end of the stick when they're on the road. And then if the keys come home and they disagree with the call, they're like, oh, we, you know, uh, we got it on the road. and Now, you know, our home scores doing that, too. But uh, they know, you know, an official score has to be the same, you know, for both teams and, and no matter what happens. So um, but as far as trying to decide when to maybe dig your feet in or. Um, or kind of see the point, like you said, it would probably be um, just in your gut. You know, if you feel like, ah, maybe I didn't quite get that one right or I didn't see it um, as good as I thought, and uh, especially if both sides agree. Like uh, if you talk to the home manager and, and they agree that that wasn't their correct call and then you talk to the uh, visiting manager and they agree, then is when I'll say, yeah, that's that's probably – maybe I want to go ahead and change that unless I, for some reason, really feel like I saw it correctly. Um, when they disagree and feel the opposite way, that's when it's a little tougher and you just got to go with your gut and, and uh, make the best call you possibly can and either stay with it or you know just do what you think is best. And how uncomfortable has it gotten? Um, not too bad. I mean, there's only been one time where there was actually – really yelling or, you know, (laughs) screaming or something like that. But, uh, um, uh, you know, similar to, you know, I guess the umpires have it a lot worse than scores. You know, they get in some shouting matches and things like that where the, the scores really don't, especially in the major leagues. Um, major leagues has an appeal system where, uh, we don't go down to the clubhouse or, or talk to the players or the coaches or anything. So they, um, Will uh, They have an appeal system where they have the right to contact Major League Baseball and say, please take a look at this play and this is why we think it should be changed. And then Major League Baseball takes a look at it and they'll make a decision rather than maybe have it out with a, with a player or a coach or something like that.
0: All right, so one of the reasons you're here is um, that team over in Washington, they had kind of an exciting night last night, um, <laughs> taking home their first World Series win, and so I understand that you got to officially score one of the World Series games?
1: I did, yep. Um, since I've been in Washington the last two seasons, I've been very fortunate to um, you know, work uh, more games there, and I was fortunate to do f- uh, four playoff games, one including the World Series uh, last Saturday, game four. And uh, and it was just an unbelievable experience, you know, to be at the uh, baseball fan all your life and be in the pinnacle of, um, you know, World Series. Now, the, the home team lost, but it really didn't matter to me, you know, because as a scorer, you're there um, for, you know, you're wor- you're doing the job for Major League Baseball. Um, uh, so, it was a, you know, the crowd wasn't as loud toward the end of the game like some of the other games I did. But it was just an amazing experience to still be grinding and concentrating on the game all the little things you 're looking at and and may have to make a judgment on and but to know in the back of your mind that it 's a world series game millions of people only millions of people are watching mm-hmm. right so, yeah right
0: <laughs> did you feel <laughs> yeah. any more pressure because of it being a world series game
1: no i didn't i was uh, I was pleasantly surprised i wasn 't nervous at all and and I just felt like you know it, around everywhere around the field it was more exciting and more people and and a lot of hoopla but when it came down to the game being played it was still the same you know uh it was still the same as far as uh, watching what i needed to watch and and looking at the different plays and it uh um so it even made it even more special cuz i wasn't worried or like you know shaking or anything like that it was uh it was very nervous and i know what it's like to be nervous um, uh when i first started in the major leagues uh, the first couple of games i I was—I uh, think my hand was shaking when I was writing the lineup in on the sheet, and and I was worried I was going to make a bad call or s- say something uh, stupid over the microphone. But <laughs> but you get over that, and uh, so yeah, it was even better because I I just felt locked in, you know, like I normally do.
2: How, how surprised are you that this happened, Dennis? I mean, we've watched this team all season. We've seen each other at games uh, at several points uh, during the season. I mean. Did you think that this team had this sort of run in them cuz I personally did not.
1: Not really. I mean, over the course of the year they started playing better. They, you know, they were disappointing last year and then disappointing the first part of this year and I remember some people in the press box, you know, after a few games I came back in and one of the one of the uh workers there is like, "Uh, ah, same as last year, you know, they're still they're just not getting it done and not hitting when they need to, and not pitching, you know, when they uh, when they don't hit stuff like that. And but then by the end of May, um, I think it might have been against the Marlins at one of the last weekends of May. I did a couple of those games, and and all of a sudden they started playing better, and and they've got healthier too. They had some injuries, but um, and then next thing you know, it just kept getting better and better as the year went on. And so I I still you know didn't think they necessarily would win the world series but uh uh it was an amazing run how they you know kept coming back i mean and even even last night they were down by two and i said to my wife it's like it, it wouldn't be right if they didn't get down by a couple of runs you know and then luckily they uh they did come back and win it was it was a crazy night
2: yeah i mean up until last night i didn't believe they were going to win the right. world series <laughs> so so that, that that's how that's how crazy it is that they actually did so. Yeah it's
1: yeah. uh it was a uh, it was an amazing run and uh and the Astros are uh juggernaut, I mean they
2: yeah you saw uh, it firsthand oh yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I even did a, a game again- uh in Baltimore where the Astros were there, and those guys are tough man, i mean they uh everybody was picking them, and right rightly so you know before the series, and I feel like they uh the nationals really slayed a dragon. After they slayed an a earlier couple, dragon. A, a, couple,
2: a couple of them, yeah. Right,
1: yeah, they got the Dodgers, and uh, nobody thought they'd get past them, and so, yeah, it was a storybook.
0: All right, well, so you said that you had four playoff games that you officially scored. Mm-hmm. How many nights after those games did you go home singing Baby Shark because you're trying to <laughs> yeah. fall asleep? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah.
1: My uh, my son, I, w- I used to annoy him if I'd be around the house, and I would just, kind of be like humming it to myself or (laughs) or something (laughs) because it gets you after a while when you're in the stadium so and they do it so many times but and it was just one of the fun things you know and it seems like whatever um team ends up winning the world series they always have a couple little things like that that are kind of neat you know and um and may not even have anything to do with baseball but it's like a superstition (laughs) or something and that's one of the things they had going this year
2: one of the more controversial plays of the series was, of course, the Trey Turner interference play at first base in game six. It seemed like a bad call. Major League Baseball defended the call, but but how did you sort of look at that? It seems like Turner was lunging for the bag, and he was sort of punished for the throw sort of being right at him. As a scorer, how would you look at something like that?
1: Well, uh, as a scorer, I'm looking for um, whatever the – Whatever the umpires decide, that's what I have to put down. So right. in that play, they decided that it was interference. So you would score it one, three, uh, runner's interference and no advance for the runner that was on first. Um, I've seen that play uh, go both ways. Um, if it hadn't been called, um, I would have scored it a base hit and then an error on the throw because it looked like Trey Turner was getting to the bag Um, at the same time the ball was getting there It looked like he pretty much had that beat and it was a very tough play for the pitcher so it, it would have been above ordinary effort but then the error would have been after that because it got by first baseman and the runners moved up so that's the error so it's a base hit and an error if they don't make that call but if they do you call it interference and by the letter of the law according to the rule book they called it right um but then I've also seen it not called um, when they're just inside the line like that. So it's it's really a tough play either way. I, I, uh, explain why they called it right, because I don't think a lot of people think it was called correctly. Um, there's a rule because uh, down the first baseline, when you look on a baseball field, you'll see that extra little line that looks like a, they call it the 45-foot line, and it's uh, on the on the base path, and the the runner is supposed to run inside that line when there's a a close play in the infield like a bunt or a, a dribbler to the pitcher like this one was. And that way you're out of the way. If the if the throw's a little bit inside, you're you're running in that lane that that's where you're supposed to be according to the rule book. Now the base is on the left side of that line, so most of the time you don't see people running in that line, especially if you're a right handed batter, because the straight line to the base is on the inside of that line. So it ends up being a a conundrum because you'll see guys that are right on the edge or close to it, and the ball might hit them or might be close, and then there's always an argument. So I think if the umpires would have ruled the other way, then the Astros um, uh, manager would have come out and say, look, he was inside the line. So um, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen um, them kind of let it go. There was even a play last uh, World Series with the Dodgers where – Cody Bellinger was like in that same spot and there was a throw and it got away and they didn't call it interference. So it's, it's tough for the umpires. They do a great job. Those guys in the major leagues, they they are the best in the world just like the players are the best in the world that, but, uh, I know it doesn't always seem like that, but they do a great job and it, it was a tough call either way, you know, regardless of how I felt about it. Um, I can see both sides of the issue.
2: What was your personal feeling on the call? Was it your personal feeling? Not as Dennis the scorer, but your personal feeling was the correct call made?
1: That's that's hard to... put you on the spot here. Yeah. Um, I guess if I was the umpire, I probably would not have called that. I would have let it go. But then again, uh, those guys are there for a reason. They're, they're good at what they do. And he... Uh, it just depends on how you look at it. That's why it's so controversial because you can look at it a couple different ways and it's fine. It's almost like pass interference in football. If a guy kind of gets in his way a little bit or something, you know, how much is pass interference and how, um, how, you know, how much is like, nah, that he didn't really interfere with him, but you can tell he's touching him, you know. So it's a similar thing to that or a foul in basketball. If they, you know, I'm not, expert on basketball but you know if you kind of touch the guy or something they say hey he got fouled Eh, not really or you know the ref didn't call it so (laughs) So.
2: this this is why they're so smart in softball because in softball they have two bases yes there's a first base where the the fielder is playing and then there's a base where the runner is playing yep and you avoid this controversy completely because they have two two bases right and you can
1: stay in that 45 foot lane and run straight right and touch the bag um I think it's maybe the baseball purists, which I kind of think I'm one too. But they they wouldn't want to. They think that looks ugly to have the two bags there like that on the field. And but, I, but, but then they're the ones screaming <laughs> about the call right. while, when <laughs> it happens. So the, the softball yeah. people haven't figured out. I yeah. Think. My son's little league a few years back. They had that second base there next to it also, and it it helps with because uh, there's a lot of injuries and that happen collisions. I remember Brian Roberts like hurt his elbow really bad one time. on a play like that. And it probably wouldn't have happened if they'd have been over in foul territory. But uh, it kind of is what it is. I'm, I'm just a, uh, uh, I'm just a soldier. I do what, uh, <laughs> whatever the umpires decide is what, uh, uh, what I put down in the book. Sure.
2: <laughs>
0: well, talking about tough calls, what is the hardest call to score?
1: Um, that's a tough question because uh, tough calls are. One of my mentors is Jim Henneman. Uh, he works in uh, uh, for the or-, or at Oriole Park for Major League Baseball. He works at Orioles games, and um, he said it good one time where he said each play is like a snowflake. <laughs> a lot of them look the same, but none of them are. So it's uh, you know it could be a a hard hit ball at an infielder and maybe takes a short hop. It can be a, kind of a tough call. You know, was that hit too hard or Or did he have an opportunity to make the play? Um, Some of those are tough. Sometimes it can be tough, too. The official scorer has to decide sometimes on who the winning pitcher is. If um, certain situations, if there was a previous pitcher that was brief and ineffective, but he gave up the lead or gave up some runs in a short amount of time. Uh, Or if the starter, which we're starting to see more often now, the starter doesn't go five innings, but his team is ahead. And they maintain the lead the rest of the game. um, uh, You're not allowed to give the uh, starting pitcher the win. So you have to, the official scorer has to decide who he felt was the most effective. And sometimes those, um, you know, sometimes they could be very close. And you have to think about, was there a specific uh, uh, jam they got out of? Or did they pitch better? Did this guy maybe walk a couple guys, but pitch a clean inning? So, I had one of those towards the end of the season where it was kind of, um, you know, there was a couple guys I could have chose from, but I just I picked the one I felt was most effective, and he did have the cleanest line, uh, you know, no hits, no runs, and two strikeouts in one inning or something. So um, you don't want to, uh, when you're making a decision like that, you're affecting players' statistics, and you don't want to uh, maybe give some something to a or make a ruling that gives a player something that he doesn't deserve whether it be a hit or an error or a win or a loss or whatever but um so you just try and do the best you can according to the rule book and uh, other guidelines that mlb uses to for us to make decisions baseball as you know dennis is a very slow
2: moving game and in your job you have to be locked in on every single pitch i mean you can't miss a moment
1: i mean how difficult is that sometimes uh that's it's not too difficult um you know uh most scores i think love the game, so they would rather be there than just about anywhere else so even if the game is long or it's moving slow, we might joke about it or or something, but it's still you know you're still scoring a game and doing something that you love, so it's like a, you don't even feel like you're working it's uh it's very uh, rewarding and uh something of you know. I would rather be there than, than anywhere else. I mean, you know, of course I like to be with my family and everything. It's, if, if it's a late night or something, but, um, I had one this year where it went, uh, I think it was 14 innings and, uh, the nationals and the brewers had an extra inning game and it, um, league kept going back and forth and it was a late night and, uh, it's like a Saturday night. Oh, it was a, it was the night before my birthday. Mm-hmm. So it went past midnight and I, so, technically, it was my birthday when the game was over. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we were joking about that. And I think the at the end of the game, the time of the game was five hours and 40 minutes. And uh, so, that was a... Uh, and then, I got up to do birthday stuff mm-hmm. in the morning. So.
2: <laughs> now, have you ever zoned out for a brief period uh, for however long and, and actually missed something? And you're like, oh, what just, what just happened?
1: Uh, yeah, it's been a few times or... Um, you have to uh, be careful because the TV, they give you a TV in the major leagues that you watch and has a DVR that you can back up if you want to watch a replay or go back and look at it again. And it's usually on a delay, maybe about four, somewhere four to eight seconds. And sometimes I'll kind of glance at it or if I want to see where the pitch was, you know, the last pitch, not that that necessarily matters for our job, but just out of curiosity. And if you get caught looking at the screen, You're behind the game on the field, and then sometimes it doesn't happen much because I I, that's one of my pet peeves is I try and stay looking at the field. But there have been a few times over the years where I hear the crack of the bat and I'm looking at the TV, and it's like panic hits you because it's like, Oh no, (laughs) I missed it, what's going on? And usually, luckily, you pick it up quick and it's a ground ball to second or fly ball to center field or something. But yeah, those are the kind of things you try to avoid but um they they happen every once in a while,
0: all right, so we've talked about your major league experience, but what is your baseball team who Who are you a fan of?
1: Oh, I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan, a diehard orioles fan now i do I do <laughs> like the nationals and hope they do well and and was really excited about all this and happy th- uh really for the fans of d c because they've they've been through it man their <laughs> their team moved twice and they went, what, 30-some years without a team, and uh, and then when they did finally get back, they were not a good team. <laughs> they had to rebuild, and then they finally started getting to the playoffs, but would lose early, and so then this year's just been uh, total euphoria for all their fans, so I'm really happy for them, and, uh, and selfishly for myself, because I got to work more games and playoff games, so I'm kind of a, a Nationals fan, too. They're my second team, I guess. <laughs> How would you compare the nationals with Bryce Harper
2: on the roster and how would you to the nationals without Bryce Harper on the roster?
1: Um, well they're they're both good. Um, they, uh, they may have been the way they allocated some of the money when I guess when he left, they may be better now because of it because of that a lot of that money they may have spent on him they put into Patrick Corbin, and that helped make their pitching better. And Adam Eaton and a couple other ple- people, you know, filled in admirably in right field. So I would think that uh, maybe they're a little bit better without him, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player or, <laughs> you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that you could say, oh, he left and they're better. Well, uh, you know, they got Corbin and and some other people with, um, with reallocating with him leaving. So that kind of helped uh, put, put some assets in some different positions and 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 they had seemed to have a little better chemistry I don't know if you know that really made a difference of him not being there or not but I mean he's a terrific player it's um it's not anything he should feel bad about by leaving or anything a lot of people are kind of speculating if he was still there would they have won it or they never know.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. And they have some people to pay this upcoming uh off season too, so yeah. so having some of that money freed up will help them do that possibly as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you got um Rendon's a free agent and uh Strasburg could opt out of his contract. Yeah, yeah. They um he, they could do that. They I think he has something like seventy two hours to make that decision, I've heard. But um so hopefully they'll they'll stay and still be a good team and but if not, the, um, I'll still be there scoring, hopefully. So <laughs> Right.
0: <laughs> all right, perfect. Well, I think we're all out of questions. But anything else you think we should know?
1: Uh, well, no, I'm just, uh, uh, I guess I like to say that I'm a, pro- a byproduct of a lot of great people that helped me get to this point. I'm very fortunate and very blessed that I ever got this opportunity to begin with. So it's, uh, it's something I love to do. And there's been a lot of people along the way that uh that of course you know george richardson was my original mentor he helped me get started and mentored me for years and um all the people that i've worked in uh, the press box with and with the team at the frederick keys greg you know we've uh we've oh, had a geez, lot of good shucks. yeah we've had a lot of good conversations in the uh in the press box over the years and that all helps you get better all those experiences so even if you're you know, uh, doing a game that you think maybe there wasn't, uh, a, um, uh, a big error or any big thing you learned, all those experiences really help, uh, help you in the future, whether you realize it or not. And so I owe those people a, a big uh, debt of gratitude to help me get to this point. So, um, and, uh, and of course my family, because they, um, uh, they sacrifice and, you know, there's, 30 to 40 nights a year I'm not home, uh, you know, to do things and, uh, they've been very supportive and, uh, and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do this with, uh, without their support too. So
2: scoring, scoring, uh, keys games is more exciting than, uh, scoring world series games. Right Dennis? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, the, uh, uh, it's you're, great. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I, 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 I know I'm putting you, I
2: know I'm putting you in a tough spot. So,
1: <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I would, I would say, uh, the world series was, uh, um maybe a little bit better but uh they uh, uh it, it's been a great experience and um uh like I say I'm just very fortunate to uh to have all this happen uh this time in my life and hopefully uh I get a chance again in the future but uh if I don't I mean my wife and I talked about there's scores who are probably in the major leagues that have worked their whole career and never had a A chance to do a world series game so yeah it's all downhill from here i I, I hate to tell you (laughs) made it to the top now it's all downhill right
0: (laughs) perfect well thank you so much for coming in thank you heather congrats again to the nationals for the world series win food and education reporter katrina Pereira now joins me in the studio to talk about her latest food review all right so katrina where did you go to eat this week this week I went to Beef and Buns in Paradise. All right. And where is Beef and Buns in Paradise
3: located? Um, it's kind of on the outskirts of downtown. All right. And
0: so what made you want to eat there?
3: Um, so we have not reviewed them in a few years, I believe. Um, and I heard that they have some pretty good burgers. So I want to try it out. All right. And so what were your first thoughts? Um, so I tried a lot of not only do they have burgers they have like a variety of sandwiches subs so i tried a lot of different things um and i was really impressed with their burgers
0: really good all right so what kind of burgers did you get
3: so i just got a regular cheeseburger um just to see you know baseline Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and it was good the patty is really thick you can choose either between a four ounce or an eight ounce um i chose the four ounce but it was still like a really substantial size patty um really juicy really flavorful and you get to choose how it's cooked um so i liked that aspect of it as well and then one of their most popular at least from what it seems like from social media is their um cape may burger which is a burger with a crab cake on top of the patty so you got like your regular burger and then you have like a crab cake stuffed in there um and ham and provolone so, right. <laughs> There's a lot going on. And I again, I was like super skeptical of this com- combo and um but I tried it and I was like, wow, this is really really good.
0: So, I had to just ask, is it easy to eat with all that
3: meat on it? It actually is. Um it's not as big as you think it's going to be. Um and everything's kind of like squashed down. Um and it was honestly like
0: fantastic. <laughs> All right. So props to them for kind of an unusual burger, but a good burger. Yeah. Um, And what else did you try? Um, I tried their
3: cheese or I say cheesesteak because I went to college in Philly for four years, but on their menu, it's steak and cheese. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I tried their steak and cheese and I tried their chili dog. Um, Both were really good. Um, The chili dog threw me off a little bit because I I was expecting like a really savory chili which is like normally what I would get if I were getting a chili dog like I I feel like normally I get like a savory chili on top of a chili dog but theirs was really sweet
0: interesting how do you make chili sweet
3: I don't know (laughs) um but theirs was very sweet and I mean it kind of worked because the hot dog was like really salty so the combo kind of worked but I think my preference is more of like a
0: savory chili all right. so is this a
3: sit-down restaurant or is it a stand how does it work so it's you order and you are served from a like a counter window type situation um they don't have any seating indoors but they do have a lot of picnic tables outside um it's more of like a grab-and-go you know takeout place
0: so maybe good for the summer to sit out there but otherwise it's good for grab dinner Definitely. for families
3: Yeah. And what's great is you can actually call ahead and they have a little drive up pickup window. So if you call ahead, you don't even have to get out of your car.
0: Oh, very nice. And is it relatively
3: inexpensive? Yeah. um, Most of their burgers range from about $5 up, I would say. So, you know, average price for a burger. So if you're making that decision that you want a burger tonight, maybe pick this restaurant over some of the fast food chains. Definitely. I mean, everything is like, you know, handmade and you can tell that When you order, they're making it fresh because it takes about 10, 15 minutes for your order to come out.
0: And, of course, because we're talking about burgers, were there fries that were, you know, that you tasted as well?
3: I actually did not try the fries.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah,
3: (laughs) I did not even think about that. Now that I'm thinking back, (laughs) I was so focused on the sandwiches. Um yeah, sorry.
0: Well, listeners, you'll have to call in and let us know what you think <laughs> of <Yeah>. the fries. <laughs> sorry, guys. Really dropped
3: the ball on that one.
0: <laughs> I guess the burgers are just so th- that good that you don't even need fries. <laughs> yeah, I was so focused on the on the burgers and the sandwiches.
3: I didn't even think about
0: the sides. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, anything else you think we should know? No, they also have ice cream. So always important. Maybe as it's getting a little colder, not the best time to go for ice cream, but you can always have ice cream. True. All right, perfect, Katrina. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Perfect and Cut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.